Flash fiction, microfiction, short short stories, prose poems. Are they all the same thing? Well, that's debatable to say the least, and it's a topic I'll discuss among many others today with Courtney Clute, author of the recently published chapbook The Fermi Paradox and former reading resident at Smoke Long Quarterly, which specializes in exactly these kind of brief, compact stories in which you should definitely check out. If you like really short pieces, stuff that'll take you one cigarette or maybe one appetizer to get through, you'll love these. So she's pretty well-versed in the genre. She also hosts the Red Herring reading series in Tampa, which you'll hear about as well. And if you're curious what a chat book is, well, we'll find that out too. I'm Christopher Nank, and welcome to the Florida Book Club. I'm here with Courtney Clute, author of The Fermi Paradox and a graduate of the MFA program at the University of South Florida. So welcome to the Florida Book Club, Courtney. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me. A couple of this is sort of a, a double tiered question, I guess, uh, to start off with. Can you explain for our listeners how this chapbook evolved and came to fruition? And can you explain your idea or notion of what a chapbook is, since that is possibly not a familiar term to all of our listeners. And I myself have heard several different definitions of what constitutes a chapbook. So, uh, sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of friends and family asked me what, what's a chapbook. And, uh, in simplest terms, I say it's basically a very short book. Um, and a lot of times chapbooks are collection of sorts. So, um, you know, a collection of poems. Um, nowadays, we see a lot more collections um, and, and chapbooks that are prose, like micro memoir, and in the case of the Fermi Paradox, uh, flash fiction. So, yeah, just a very short book. Um, and um, and yeah, and then in terms of how the the Fermi Paradox came to fruition, um, when I was in graduate. Uh, getting my MFA in creative writing from the University of South Florida. My thesis, uh, I was to write a collection of flash fiction. And I graduated and I thought, well, I want to do something with this. So I wanted to pull some pieces from that collection and see if I could come up with a cohesive chapbook. Um, but I think a lot of times when in creative endeavors, when you start off, uh, with an idea, it tends to veer off and kind of come like out completely different. So what happened with me was um, I had an, an intention to use a lot of my pieces, but what happened was I started writing all new new pieces. Kind of had I don't know, I guess inspiration to write new things. Um, was writing kind of themes and uh, different kind of subject matters. So the past couple years really is when I wrote most of the chapbook and about I think four pieces came from my thesis but the rest were just new pieces I wrote in the past couple years so I put those all together and you know luckily they all kind of had similar themes and I uh, wanted to send that out for publication and um, fortunately the uh, press alien buddha press picked it up so that's how the Fermi paradox came about awesome do you think we'll see any of those uh, pieces from your master's thesis at some point? Will they resurface? I'm not 
Sure. Maybe in, maybe rewritten or in different form, but I think, I think I've moved on from writing about those types of things. Um, I already find myself writing about new themes than even what's in the Fermi paradox. I just think, I don't know. I think sometimes like my, my writing evolves and now I'm still doing flash fiction. The themes kind of evolve. Like right, right now I kind of find myself writing more about kind of like romantic relationships. So um, yeah, which is very different than what's in the Fermi paradox itself. So I think, I think I'm ready just to keep moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so I, this sort of leads into my next question. I mean, are you, are you, st- I was curious what attracts you to micro or flash fiction as a genre or form. I mean, I've read Lydia Davis and uh, authors like J. Robert Lennon, who wrote uh, pieces for the left hand, uh, and and it's a it's it's a genre it's a form that I have always admired but I'm not you know I don't know too many authors who who uh, practice it at at you know length or as a big part of their their output so I was uh, curious not only what attracted you to to this genre but who are some of your influences in this area and like were uh, some of your mentors or colleagues or people you work with at USF you know encouraging uh, of this. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I love flash fiction because it is so challenging, and that is what drew me to it initially. Um, when I was an undergraduate, I happened to take a class on writing flash fiction and micro memoir, and I didn't really know much about it. But I eventually learned that it's so hard to do. Um, essentially, you have to write a whole story in a thousand words or fewer you know you see 500 words or fewer or 250 or even 100 word micros Mm -hmm. and you have to fit this whole story and you have to fit in character and you have to um i don't know it's it's hard to do all that in such a short space and so i thought i want to be able to do that i want to be able to be good at that so um i continued with studying the form by going to get my MFA in creative writing. And I started off with flash fiction right from the bat. And um, I had the pleasure of studying under Rita Cerisi, who was my thesis director. And I kind of deem her the queen of flash fiction, (laughs) at least (laughs) in my head, Uh, because, you know, she, not only is she widely published award-winning but um flash fiction writer but she just has such a great eye for concision and precision and so she was just really good at molding my work to be the best flash that it could be so yeah they were really encouraging at usf and for me to pursue the form of, of flash fiction um and during the time of you know, studying flash fiction in my graduate degree, I read a ton of craft essays about it. Um, there's a textbook called The Field Guide to Writing Flash Fiction, uh, published by Rose Metal Press, that I kind of referred to as my religious text for um, <laughs> flash fiction because it just has so many great essays about what you know do's and don'ts how to write a great flash fiction so i've read that a few times um and then of course beyond that reading tons of flash um 
there's lots of great anthologies out there that I tore through. Uh, you have the classic flash fiction writers like Stuart Dybeck and Lydia Davis, as you mentioned. I also read, um, you know, micro memoir collections like Safekeeping by Abigail Thomas and Heating and Cooling by Beth Ann Fennelly. Those were all great inspirations to me. Um, but even beyond that, there are just so many great literary magazines out there that either just publish Flash or they feature Flash as one of the things that they publish. And so just it's important just to keep up with the issues that come out um, that, you know, these literary journals release. And then also, you know, some of them publish weekly. And so just reading all of these great pieces that come out of these literary magazines is um, is a way of seeing, you know, what's being published, what's, what's new and exciting and what's out there. So I continue to read that as inspiration. Thank you. You almost uh, uh, saved me from having to ask you for recommendations later. Because <laughs> I, uh, I was like thinking of, uh, you know, like Lydia Davis and the book by J. Yeah. Robert Lennon. And um, uh, William T. Volman's book, The Atlas, is uh, kind of like that, too, from the 90s. Uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a combination of longer and shorter pieces, though. So it's, it, it's interesting. But yeah, as, as you were like mentioning some of these names, I was reflecting like, oh, maybe I do know like Stuart Dieback. Yeah, I hadn't. <laughs> yeah. Him, but um, yeah, even um, even Margaret Atwood has like a short selection of um, like flash type pieces. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I always like, I'm trying to think when I was in college, we were making a distinction between micro or flash fiction and prose poems. And I don't, I don't know if you have an opinion on the distinction between that, but that was uh, something I remember discussing and thinking there wasn't all that much of a distinction between them, but. Yeah. I think micro and flash are very similar. I think that's what discerns those two are, are the word count. And then prose poetry, I think is different because that is not necessarily maybe doesn't have a have to have like a fully fleshed story it can be more like a poem mm-hmm. yeah yeah um which you know the, the i mentioned the field guide uh series that rose metal press has they actually have a whole one on writing prose poetry too so if you're interested in that <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think they're of the same genus or family or taxonomy mm-hmm. in some ways, if not, you yeah. know, uh, directly related. So yeah. um, specifically about the Fermi paradox, I um, why this is a title and did, did, did the title story itself kind of hold some significance to understanding the collection's themes as a whole? I mean, you know, when I I'm I don't know, I have a weird fascination with UFOs and, and uh, <laughs> you know, the possibility <laughs> of alien life. So I was, you know, drawn to the the title immediately. So I'm, I'm curious how that came about. Yeah, well, I I was going back and forth uh, for the title of this chapbook uh, between the Fermi Paradox and Pasta Avocado um, because they both kind of just sounded cool. But then eventually I ended up choosing the Fermi Paradox because it just seemed more fitting for the collection as a whole. Um, you know, the Fermi Paradox is this idea that the universe is so large and old. Why haven't we had any contacts or mm-hmm. as why isn't there evidence of intelligent life out there? Um, so I actually used that as a prompt. And so that's uh, in writing a flash piece. So that prompt 
created the the piece, the Fermi paradox, which is in the in the book and the chapbook, and um, and that piece kind of ended up being a lot about loneliness and feeling like the odd person out, and that is kind of the central theme to the chapbook. Uh, you see that as like a through line throughout the, the whole chapbook. So I thought, you know, this is pretty representative of, of the whole thing. So that's why I chose the Fermi Paradox. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. That is, and, and, and it appears during, like, pretty much in the middle of the collection. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's nice for a, for a, a title track, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I, uh, it seemed like a lot of the stories here to me, they focused on family issues of loss and dysfunction. Um, like the stories, flat out fabulous, uh, cucumber, uh, parenthood, my ode to you. And I wondered, you kind of alluded to this earlier, if that's something that developed organically out of putting the collection together, or if it was by design as as sort of an overarching theme. Yeah, it definitely happened organically. I tend, I I, I got lucky in that way because I would just kind of, I write a lot from prompts. And so I would get prompts from either workshops or online or grad school or whatever. And, um, a lot of times I would just, I would write and then it would end up being similar themes of, you know, loneliness, being odd personnel, family dysfunction, um, you know, just familiar relationships in general. So, um, yeah. So when, then when I went to put the chapbook together, just kind of worked out that, they all fit together. And, um, you know, of course, I had to do some moving around with the individual pieces to make it flow nicely in terms of, of the theme. But yeah, I definitely got lucky in that way that it happened pretty organically. Um, I, I don't know. Parenthood and Cucumber, I really liked. I, I just like stories about plants. So that, that was kind of neat. So I, I will throw that out there, even though, you know, they had obvious themes that went beyond that. Um, but I found stories like um, Into the Sink. I thought that was viscerally kind of gross, but alluring. I don't know if that makes sense. Those are sort of, you know, uh, opposite uh, qualities. Uh, parenthood, yeah. which I just mentioned, is kind of sad, but heartwarming. Um you know, when wings explode, as I talk to you off camera, is something I might read to my daughter just in terms of like looking at the social lives of children, you know, uh, indirectly. And I just, you know, generally enjoyed this idea and these themes of people avoiding tough emotions and confronting loss through, you know, escapism and fantasy uh, into the sink, I thought especially uh, did that. And, and parenthood, uh, really kind of tragically reminded me of of this book, Sophie's Squash by uh, Pat Zatlow Miller, which I'm holding in my hand right now. But um, so one of my daughter's books about a, a little girl who adopts a squash and won't let her parents cook it for dinner. And then, you know, it starts to decompose and then her mom encourages her to plant it and stuff. And I just, I know... I, I don't know. It, again, it just seemed like these grown-up versions of, of of ways in which children deal with, you know, loss or difficulty or things like that. So, I, I don't know. That was what I like. But I'm curious, which stories in this book are your favorites and which were the most fun or nerve-wracking or, or emotionally draining? I mean, maybe to you, because I, I don't know. Those were sort of the emotions I felt reading them. Yeah. Well, first off, I love, I'd like to say that uh, I would love to read that 
book about the squash because that sounds like right up my alley things I like to write and read about so that's awesome um but yeah there are a few a few favorites that I'd like to talk about from this chapbook um you have uh Carbonara which is the first piece in the chapbook it opens up um the chapbook and it's about someone who recently loses their grandfather and um, it's trying to connect to them through creating uh, and perfecting the perfect uh, carbonara. So I liked uh, that one because you kind of have some comedic elements to it. The grandfather wasn't very nice. And uh, so I had fun writing the comedy to it. But then there's also these sad elements to it as well. Um, and this one was inspired uh, in early COVID. Um, we were quarantining my boyfriend and I, and he kept making carbonara. He kept trying to perfect it oh, every day. Oh, I see. Yeah. And like he had this obsession with it. So that kind of was the inspiration for for that story. So um, I kind of liked that one because of the connection and uh, the comedic elements to it. Um, then, I, as you mentioned, Parenthood, I really liked that one um, because. It uh, was an experiment for me in terms of form. Um, it's written about a couple who um, unfortunately loses a, a child and they take out their grief on taking care of this plant. And it's written in um, a nine month span. Um, each section is structured by a different month. So I had. You know, even though it's a sad story, I had a lot of fun <laughs> experimenting with the structure on that one and kind of playing around that. Um, and I also, um, the, the plant in that story's name is Jerry, and I have a plant named Jerry that uh, uh, <laughs> kind of inspired I can it. see why Sophie Squash would appeal to you then, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, because uh, one of my other favorites, too, is Paca Avocado, and that Sophie Squash kind of reminds mm -hmm, me of Pasta yeah. Avocado a little bit. It's about this this young kid who um, keeps an avocado in his pocket every day, sort of kind of like a ritual to connect with his mother. And that that story, I think, even though again it's sad, um, I had fun with it because I kind of came up with the idea you know what happens if someone were to carry an avocado around every day what would happen and so uh, a lot of times my writing starts with like these concepts and questions and then I love seeing how uh, characters and a story develops from that so I think the pieces in the topic that are my favorites kind of started from those like weird questions and concepts Gotcha. Yeah, my ode to you when you were talking, I thought about that too. I mean, I know it's not about a plant, but it seems sort of similar. Yeah. Like a, I know, and I know it's uh, not to spoil the story for any listeners, but uh, it's not like a. I don't know if it was a tumor or a cyst or a growth or something that uh, the narrator or it sort of seems somewhat attached to in that regard. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of Kristen Arnett's story, uh, Biddenden Maids, from her first collection. Mm -hmm. If you've never read that, that's a interesting story about a bodily growth too. Um, but um. No, thank you. I, I'm sorry that it's it's um, 
I forgot about the pocket avocados. I mean, I didn't forget about it, but I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that one's like <laughs> parenthood and and cucumber and, and things like that kind of. Uh, and as I said, I yeah. like stories about plants. So a lot <laughs> of food, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the carbonara too. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of food and plants. And at one point, I kept writing stories about things, and one of them ended up uh-huh. in the chat. Book, I suppose I was, that's indirectly about food too. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of tweeted. I'm like. I tweeted once, am I writing a chat book about things? <laughs> Which did not end up happening. But. Broadening out a little, can you talk a bit about your work reading for other publications? Uh, I note that in your various bios, you were or are. You know, a reader for Smoke Long Quarterly, which seemed like a really interesting publication and something that I would totally subscribe to if it had a uh, paper copy. But maybe I can uh, do it electronically. But uh, how has that been for you, though, doing this, this, some of this outside editing and reading? Yeah, um, I had the honor of being a reader in residence uh, with Smoke Long Quarterly in the spring of this year. And it was just wonderful because. Smoke Long Quarterly is definitely one of my top flash fiction online magazines and um, getting to see kind of behind the the scenes and their processes was really interesting and I love reading you know all these submissions that they get and learning so much more about flash you know what makes flash good what makes it stand out what makes me want to move that flash piece on to the next stage was really great and so um i also am a reader with fractured literary which is another online magazine um that publishes flash fiction and micros and Mm. um yeah similar process with that one i'm just learning so much about flash fiction from reading submissions and it's also great to see, like, when you see a flash fiction piece you really like, and then you move it on, you get all the way to the end to, like, winning a contest, which is really cool <laughs> um, to see that happen. You definitely get attached to these pieces. Um, so, so yeah, I, I've enjoyed reading for those couple magazines this year. That's great. I know exactly what you mean about this sense of... Uh shepherding these works through uh you know that process and i'm 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 sure your uh your thesis advisor feels the same way <laughs> so <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> um okay so um uh, just to wrap up uh what else do you have going on what are you working on now um how are you enjoying uh florida and its literary scene right now if you feel that it has one and um we talked to enid Schomer uh a couple episodes ago and uh you mentioned to me that you are her assistant so i was curious about that too like uh yeah. what that might entail but so i know that was a giant far-reaching question but yeah you can answer any or none sure. aspects of that if you'd like sure yeah i can go one at a time so um in terms of writing, um, I am writing more flash fiction, and I mentioned earlier that kind of exploring new themes, um, kind of like romantic relationships and that kind of thing, um, rather than maybe like family relationships um, that I did in, in the Fermi Paradox. So um, we'll see how that goes, and would love to put together another chapbook or even a full-length collection one day uh, but taking it one flash fiction piece at a time 
Um, and then I am also a coordinator of one of the coordinators of Red Herring. Uh, it's spelled R-E-A-D, so it's kind of a little pun. Oh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> Red Herring is a monthly reading series in the Tampa Bay area. And we host three writers a month who read for our audience. And it's really fun because we also play games with with the audience, uh, kind of like trivia with a spin type game. Um, and it's a lot of fun. So we, we had to go on hiatus for two years during COVID. And so we came back this year, the beginning of this year. And it's been really great to be a part of the literary scene again in person um, with doing Right a Hearing. So I'm keeping busy with that every month. It's every third Wednesday. So um, okay. coming up in, in two weeks with our next event. So yeah, like that. Um, and then, yeah, Enid, uh, Enid Shomera, she is, um, I'm her assistant. She's a, a poet and writer in, in Tampa. And I, I just love working with her. She's pretty amazing. Um, I've been working with her a little over three years now. I started working for her in, in graduate school. And um, I help her a lot with, you know, doing like her social media um, because, you know, I think a lot, a lot of times now as a writer, you need to promote yourself a lot on social media. Mm-hmm. So kind of helping her establish that presence online and, um, you know, doing other kind of like administrative type stuff for her, like her website. And um, it's great, but she, she's also, I think a great um, mentor and friend. She, she actually helped me um, put together the order of my chapbook, the Fermi Paradox. Um, and really shape it into an order that made it the strongest it could be because sometimes an order can definitely make or break a, a book or a chapbook. So, yeah, so so it's really great working with Enid um, in, in many aspects. Oh, that that sounds great. Thank you for elaborating on that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm now thinking like any tweets I read from Enid Schomer are actually from you, but that doesn't sound, that was what I thought at first, but now since you explained it a little more, I was like, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we collaborate on that. I got you. It's a collaborative <laughs> effort. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Okay. Well, Courtney Clute, you are now a member of the Florida Book Club. Thank you so much. I'm honored. Thanks for attending this meeting of the Florida Book Club. We have links to Courtney's website where you can purchase the Fermi Paradox. We also have links to purchase Sophie Squash if our discussion of that cute children's book piqued your interest, and to Smoke Long Quarterly if you are intrigued by the idea of reading flash or microfiction. As usual, our link to organizations offering hurricane relief will be present as well. Another heads up. If you're in the Tampa Bay region this weekend, check out the Tampa Bay Times Festival of Reading at the Palladium in St. Petersburg. Lots of local and national writers will be there. Remember to support your local independent bookstores and public libraries. See you at our next meeting.